Digital spending went up 60% for every person in the past year, according to the third iteration of Sync Southeast Asia, an annual report by Facebook and management consulting firm Bain & Company. Titled Southeast Asia, the home for digital transformation, the report takes a look at emerging online lifestyle trends in the region. In this B-side episode, Facebook Philippines country director John Rubio shares the stories behind the statistics. He tells Business World reporter Bronte H. Laksamana how retailers can take their business offline to online with the help of six R's. If you want to know what these R's stand for, stick around. So would you say that you guys found a paradigm shift in the purchasing behavior in Southeast Asia because of the pandemic? Oh, definitely. I think it's a really dramatic increase. And I'll share some stats, right? And then let's talk to the, the different insights. When you look at how much time people spend on digital, the internet, whatever you call it. So Philippines, we send the most SMS. We're like selfie nation. Now globally, we're probably one of the highest amounts of people who spend time per day on digital, right? You see somewhere between 10 to 11 hours. That acceleration happened during the pandemic. And as we went through, this didn't go down. So when you have a significant amount of people who are on the internet, on digital, what necessarily followed was the number of Filipino consumers who were then doing things like shopping, ordering food, getting groceries, being entertained on the digital sphere rather than the physical sphere. And one of the amazing stats that came out is there's a good identification of penetration from a business perspective. I'm sure you guys know about this. When you actually look at the penetration of the total retail GMV, so the the total value of retail that happens online versus offline, it was super small, right? It was somewhere between, I think, 2 to 3%. You would look at corresponding countries. Like if I remember correctly, in 2019, 2018, the U.S. was at about 15%. And the country that led the most was China at about 30%, right? Philippines, we were somewhere around 2%. As we watched the pandemic, so just to sort of contextualize how much increase this happened, in 2020, we hit 4%. From our latest study, the total GMV of retail that comes from online is now at about 9 to 10%, right? So it's getting close to where the U.S. was post-pandemic. It pretty much doubled over the last one year. So I think what that sort of encapsulates is how people are migrating their shopping behavior online. So I think for us, when you look at that growth, it really talks about how this behavior has moved online. And, you know, it continues to grow as well. I have some of the stats here, actually, in my notes. It said that there was a 9% increase in Filipino consumers willing to try new stores. So it's not just about moving online. It's about being willing to explore more. So what does this entail exactly? So now that we've set the stage that there is a massive opening and the promise of e-commerce and the way it's happening is very interesting. So when you look at the stats, if you take, for example, a consumer journey, there's discovery, which is how do I find a brand? How do I find a product that I want? And then there's consideration and then there's purchase. So if I look at that from a perspective of the stats, about 80% of discovery now happens digitally. Whereas before, for example, you'd be walking at the mall Maybe you'd hit a makeup stand and you'd say, hey, I like that. And you'd try it out. Or, hey, there's an interesting dress in that window. And you'd say, hey, I want to try that on. Does it fit? Do I like the color? Do I like the feel? What's happened is a massive shift where 80% of that now happens online. 
when you look at things like consideration and in consideration, for example, includes research. I know I want to buy something, but like, how do I decide which one I buy? Consideration now also is about 80% digital and then about 50% eventually buy online as well. What does that mean for stores and brands? How should they adjust? For brands, the first thing I'll talk about is, look, it's an interesting world where people are very off to switch. One of the things that's coming out is in this world where you have a plethora of choice. And the stat that we've found is there's a battle for loyalty because 50% of people now are open to switching their most purchased brand for a specific category. So what that really means for brands is they need to understand the, the customer journey we talked about and say, you know, if 80% of discovery is now happening on digital, it's happening on, you know, my Facebook or Instagram feed, it's happening on Facebook Live, it's happening on YouTube, it's happening on TikTok. How do they leverage that, right? How do they get discovered? Then you have to think about consideration, 80% of it happens online. Is their brand website detailed enough to talk, example, for what do people look when they research brand? A lot of people now are very attuned with purpose. They want to buy from brands that are, for example, you know, sustainable, adhere to the same social principles that they do, especially you know, as you go to the uh, younger segments. So again, brands really need to think of the consumer journey, especially in this era where 50% are likely or open to change the brands they purchase more frequently. The other thing is also look at it as opportunity. Last year, most online shoppers on average would buy four categories, right? It would probably be something like to your point, necessity, maybe groceries. Maybe they'd have food delivered from like Grab or Food Panda. Maybe they'd buy personal care and other necessities. The interesting stat that we saw is this double. So this year, people are now on average buying eight different categories. So you have all your old categories of groceries, personal care, and so forth. And maybe now also electronics. You know, they needed a new phone. They don't want to go to the mall. They wanted to shop online as well. Maybe it's now clothing as well. You know, they wanted to gift themselves something for getting through the pandemic, right? So for brands, it's a really interesting market where there's a competition for loyalty, but across different categories, there's a big push for people to buy more and more. What it means for retail is, I think Pandora's box has been opened. And in order to survive the new environment, because it's not changing, if COVID was just for a short time and lockdown was just for a short time, maybe behavior didn't become habit. But if you look at like social learning, you know, the more you do something, it becomes a habit. And pretty much online purchases have become a habit for many different people, like somewhere between 35 to 50%. Online is now their primary purchase behavior. So the implication for retail is it's pretty much a strategic imperative to say, do I have an O2O strategy? And what I mean by O2O strategy is, look, offline is not going to go away. I'm excited for the time where I can go out, go back to the mall, touch and feel stuff. Right? I can't wait for it. But Pandora's box has been open with regard to people building habits around online. So our, my perspective around who wins in the new era once we're out of this in a post-COVID world, are retailers who have mastered the art of transitioning seamlessly between online to offline. What that means is if you're a large offline retailer, how do you start getting online? Do you have a good brand website? Do you have a good experience for people to connect with you when they have questions over Messenger? Can people buy, for example, your products online? And you know what we're seeing is more and more uh, offline retailers are actually getting into the game and learning how to 
sort of navigate this online to offline world? Another thing is e-wallets. Since the Philippines has had this high year-on-year growth in consumers who prefer them now. So what does this mean? One of the things that's really helped for e-commerce, and again, I'll throw out a stat, I think now about one in three people prefer to have an e-wallet and pay using an e-wallet. That's, I think, somewhere between an 80%, 100% growth just in the last few years. So for the e-wallet space, so for our friends in Paymaya, Gcash, it's really good news because people now find the utmost convenience of being able to have a digital wallet and being able to pay online, whether it's you know to pay for the Grab, whether it's to pay in Lazada, Shopee, Zalora, you know, Go Robinsons, SM, and so forth. It's much more convenient to do that, right? You can shop at twelve midnight. It's been a big driver, actually, when you look at it, of what's helped spur e-commerce outside of COVID is this massive adoption around uh, wallets. Again, the stat is, I think, about one in every three people now prefer to pay with their e-wallet. You mentioned as well in your statement in the press release that you guys want to support brands in experimenting with these new shopping modes and maybe even emerging technology. So how exactly can Facebook help with this? I think everything starts from strategy. So I'll part where Facebook fits in first. I think, you know, if you're an executive, whether you have a brand and you're starting to experiment, whether you're in retail and you're starting to identify the O2O that we talked about, I think there are two things. One is, are we open to the trends that we're hearing? So sort of understanding all the stuff that we talked about, the digital journey, you know, the path to discovery online, where people are spending their time. And then from there, I think depending on the company's strategic appetite is to do some tests and say, hey, we need to make sure that we're experimenting so that we're not one of those that are left out in the post-COVID world. So just to share a stat, right? When we ask people, will their behavior stick through post-COVID, depending on the category, somewhere between 65 to 80%, every single person said, you know, their entertainment will likely be 65 to 80% still digital. Uh, grocery shopping, you know, fashion, personal care. It's become a strategic imperative to sort of think these things through. Now, the best thing to do is create some pilots and test these things out. I think we need to rewrite a digital first agenda. So that's the first part is, do I hear the trends? Am I writing a digital agenda based on these trends for my specific product or retail outlet? Then the second is to rewire your business model. And what I mean by rewiring your business model is to say, hey, look, if I'm a uh, FMCG, CPG company, and most of my distribution was traditional trade was 80%, maybe modern trade was 20%, I need to now think about a world where maybe 15 to 20 of that comes from digital. What's my strategy to work with e-commerce marketplaces? What's my strategy to go directly to consumers uh, to create first-party data and or create my own website, right? So I can, you know, sort of gain some more control. So you rewrite your agenda, you rewire your business model, then I think you need to reimagine your consumer engagement. And that goes back to saying, if I understand the new path to purchase, where people are discovering things 80% on digital, they're considering 80% on digital, and then buying 50% online, how do they reimagine their different customer touch points, right? The last three R's are you need to refresh your product offers. How do we make sure that these are, I'll call it, applicable in a digital setting? Re-envision your uh, view of sustainability. 90% of people are willing to pay more 
for products from companies that align with their sustainability or social viewpoints. And then lastly, we talked about the post-pandemic lifestyle. It's going to be a hybrid. The digital behaviors that they've built, whether it's getting entertained on Netflix with their Korean dramas, whether it's shopping online with Go Robinsons, maybe buying from Watsons from their personal care, going to Lazada and Shopee, that's going to still remain. We talked about 65% of people will still keep that. So brands and retail establishments need to think through and how they realize. So just to recap the six R's, it's how do you rewrite your digital first agenda? You wire your business model against that. How do you reimagine consumers in this new purchase journey? How do you refresh your product offerings accordingly? How do you re-envision the new role of sustainability, right? And how do you realign a post-pandemic lifestyle? Moving forward, do you think this report is basically a sign for brands and retail stores to adjust? It's an interesting sign, right? I don't want to sound alarmist, but like if I were to take an analogy, COVID was the meteor that hit when the dinosaurs were there. The S&P 500, right, turns over 50% every 10 years. Because there's always something that sort of changes the game. If you looked at it in the 1930s, the average lifespan of a company on, you know, like an S&P 500 was 35 years. Now it's 10. Because it's accelerated, right? In the 90s, maybe it was the first brushes of the internet. In the 2010s, it was the mobile phone. For this era, it's the post-COVID lifestyle. And I think what will happen is for companies that don't sort of like understand this strategic journey, they're on the path of extinction like the dinosaur. You know, a meter is hit. How do you respond to it? And it's the most nimble companies or entities that survive these. So, you know, now's the best time to experiment. The trends are very clear. So the question is for companies is, you know, are they starting to do all of these six things we talked about? And that concludes another episode of B-Side. Once again, you heard Facebook Philippines Country Director John Rubio speaking with Business World reporter Bronte H. Laksamana about the future of e-commerce. The consumer journey is now mostly digital, he says, and businesses that want to win the battle for brand loyalty have to focus on the six R's. That is, rewrite, rewire, reimagine, refresh, re-envision, and realign. This B-Side episode was recorded remotely on September 14. This is Samuel Marcelo. Thanks for listening.